we commit our lives to You. We declare this morning we want to follow You. We don't want to turn back, Lord God. We want to walk behind You and follow You, Father. Thank You that You hear our voices this morning as we praise You and glorify You. Please speak to us through Your Word. We give You all the praise and all of the glory. In Jesus' mighty, strong Name, Amen. You may be seated. So good to hear your voices. So good to sing together again. I always pray with joy. Because of this, I will rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. I am glad and rejoice with you. Rejoice. I say it again, rejoice. Are these the words of someone who's just received some good news? Perhaps they've just been healed from a sickness, got a new job, just got married, been told they can finally sing in church. No, as many of you know, these are the words of the Apostle Paul as he wrote to the Philippian church. They were penned from the floor of a cold jail cell where Paul has once again been wrongly accused, beaten, betrayed, chained to a prison guard. And yet he says, I rejoice. I am glad. In Philippians chapter 4, he says, I have learned that whatever the circumstances, I can be content And I have loved hearing the vision from Ben and Amy this year for City Church to be stronger, stronger in God, stronger in community, stronger in purpose. And this morning, I want to build on that theme by talking about being strong for the journey. How can we as God's people declare like Paul that it doesn't matter what circumstances come upon us, we can be strong immovable, unshakable, where even from the floor of a jail cell, we can say, I rejoice, I am glad. Because we're all on a journey. Some of us are in the valley. Some of us have stopped at the lookout. Some of us are having a picnic. Some of us are on a narrow path on the cliff edge, just trying to get to the other side. Before my, children, before my husband and I had children and our whole world was turned upside down, we used to go hiking and we would trek down into the valley and the mountains and camp overnight for a few nights and then trek back out. And when you need to carry all of your food and bedding and cooking materials and clothing on your back, you become very selective about what you put in your backpack. You only want the essentials. You only want what you're going to need in an emergency or what's going to sustain you and get you to your destination. And as Christians, we all have a spiritual backpack. As followers of God, we all need to remove the things out of our backpack that are weighing us down, anxiety and bitterness and selfishness. But then we need to put back in the things that are going to sustain us, the things that are going to help us get to our destination, what is going to help us be strong for the journey. Now, out of the many skills that Pastor Ben brings to City Church, one of them is his ability to summarise any text of the Bible with three Ps. 
So I'm taking a leaf out of Ben's book this morning and I've got three Ps for you that will help us to be strong for the journey. Are you ready? To be strong for the journey, what do we need to put in our backpack? We need purpose, we need people and we need power. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Philippians chapter 1, or if you have the app on the phone, open up to Philippians chapter 1. This is where we're going to be spending our time. So let me read the very first verse of Philippians to you. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Philippian church, and how does he introduce himself Does he say the Apostle Paul, the preacher, the Apostle Paul, the evangelist, the Apostle Paul, the church planter, the minister, the pastor? No. He says, Paul, the servant of Christ Jesus. Out of all the ways that he could describe himself, he calls himself a servant. And in your Bibles, many of you will see that that word servant has a little number one next to it. And in the footnote, it says bond servant. And bondservant, in the time that Paul was writing, meant a permanent role of service. It was used to describe servants who were with their master for life. And what Paul is saying is that this isn't a temporary gig. This isn't something he's going to move on from from a couple of years. He is going to serve Christ until his dying days. He's in a permanent role of service. See, Paul wasn't looking just to the here and now. He was looking ahead. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 and verse 11, Paul refers to the day of Christ Jesus. Paul was looking forward. What was his destination? What was he working towards? He was looking to the day that Jesus was going to return, that he was going to see his beloved Saviour once again face to face. One of the things that my husband and I may never agree on is the concept of a fun run. My husband just simply cannot understand why people would get up early, drive to a destination, run with hundreds of other people, often in circles, and pay for the privilege to do so. Well, I just love fun runs. And it's not necessarily about the running. It's not really about the training. It's not even about getting kudos on Strava. It is something about the finish line. See, my training is often a little bit like this meme, if you put it up on the screen. There is something about reaching the finish line where you forget about all of the struggle, all of the pain, and you bask in the glory of what you've achieved. You get the rush of endorphins and it feels so good and you think, I love this, even though the whole time you've been hating it. But Paul has also got his eyes fixed on the finish line because he has got a tough journey ahead. So he needs to know where he is going. And that brings us to our first P. Paul knew his purpose. He knew where he was headed. He knew the goal. He was going towards the day of Christ Jesus. He knew that he existed to be a servant of Christ. See, the thing is that if Paul had a purpose to be comfortable, then he is not going to be stoked that he's stuck in a jail cell. Because Paul knew his purpose, it changed his perspective. In verse 12, he says... 
I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has turned out. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. What Paul is saying is that I want you to know this has actually turned out great. I might be in jail, but even here, God's purpose goes forward. And that I, as I share my testimony, others are becoming more bold to share the work of God. Because Paul knows his purpose and God is working through him even in the most dire of circumstances. If Paul's purpose was to build a family, he's not going to find his wife in the jail cell. If he was thinking that his whole life revolved around getting more wealth, then he's not going to be stoked that he's there. But in his letter, he's not complaining about the uncomfortable bed. He's not saying, whinging about how bad the food is. He's saying, God's word is going out. This is amazing. I rejoice. God is even using me as I'm chained to this prison guard. In fact, he says, the whole imperial guard is hearing that I'm here because of Christ. As Paul sat in that jail cell, the prison guard had no option but to hear Paul talk about Christ. In fact, they say that every couple of hours, the prison guard would swap over. So it was basically like evangelism speed dating as Paul got someone new that he could start talking to about this man called Jesus. You can just imagine them as they go back to their lunchroom and say, oh, just had the shift with Paul. My goodness. Doesn't stop talking about Christ. But word got out. They were telling their family. They were telling their friends. Scholars estimate that the Imperial Guard numbered over 9,000 people. So Paul wasn't standing in stadiums and preaching, but God's word was going out one at a time, one prison guard chained to Paul at a time. And it's all because Paul knew his purpose and it changed his perspective. If we understand our purpose, then suddenly the challenges that come along allow us to ask, what are you doing with this God? How are you changing me? Are you making me more humble, more patient? How are you fulfilling your purpose through this suffering or this pain? Because the world will try and tell you what your purpose is. It will try to tell you that it's about accumulating more wealth. It's about looking a certain way. It's about climbing a corporate ladder. And none of those endeavours are bad things. But they're not why we're here. God didn't put you on earth for you to have a beach house on the coast because that is never going to fulfill you. God wants us to enjoy the good things that he has given us, but he wants us to know at the very core, we are here to serve Christ. And that's the only thing that's going to fill us up from the bottom to the top. It's the only thing that's going to give us joy overflowing. It's the only thing that even in the middle of a cold, hard jail cell, we can stand there and declare, I rejoice. Because even in that jail cell, Paul had Christ. So what else did he need? He could say, I am glad. I rejoice because even in chains, God's words continue. And he is in the very centre of where he's meant to be because God's purpose goes on. Paul knew his purpose. He had it deep within his backpack. And we need to know ours if we're going to be strong for the journey. 
But Paul also knew who his people were. He knew that he cannot do this journey alone. He says in verse 3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul couldn't have used more hyperbole in this sentence if he tried. Read it with me again. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul wants the Philippians to know that he's thinking about and praying for them a lot. Why? Because they're his partners And Paul almost takes this literally. He says in verse 7, It's right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defence and confirmation of the gospel. Paul is saying that we're not just partners in a Sunday service. We're not just partners when we're doing ministry. We are partners for life. And even in my imprisonment, as I sit here chained to the prison guard, you are with me. Paul needs to know that he's not alone. We later on find out that the Philippian church helped Paul financially and practically. They gave him money and food and meals. But it wasn't just that. Paul says, I hold you in my heart. They are knitted together. And when God wanted City Church to have a ministry in the Blue Mountains, he didn't declare it to be Ben and Amy's ministry or Tim and Ali's or anyone else's on the staff. He created this ministry for all of us right here. It's our ministry together. We are all partakers in this grace for the gospel to go out to the Blue Mountains. He's created us for community. There was a group of researchers who gathered a bunch of experienced hikers together and they got them to stand in front of some mountains and they said, you're going to climb this mountain. We want you to estimate how high this mountain is. So they got them to write down each of the measurements and the first time they did it, they got them to stand as individuals before the mountain and try and assess how high it was. The next time they got them to stand in groups of three or four and they said, you're about to climb this mountain in this group of three or four, write down your estimation individually. What they found when they brought all the results together was that consistently the people who stood individually in front of the mountain estimated the mountain to be 20% higher than when they were standing in a group. Or in other words, mountains are easier to climb when you do it with other people. Mountains are harder to scale when you do it alone. And we are all going to have to climb some mountains in our life. And we need each other. We need to know who is in our corner. Because there's going to be tough stuff ahead. And we need to be part of the body of Christ to climb that mountain together. Because challenges are going to come. And often we will ask God to take them away. And he wants us to present all of our requests to him. He wants us to cast our anxiety to him. But often the challenges are the things that he most powerfully works out his purpose. He doesn't necessarily promise to take our challenges away. But he does promise to bring people alongside us to walk through them with us. And Paul needed to know that he had people in his corner because even when he was jailed, he had people trying to kick him while he was down and they were part of the body of Christ. But Paul knew who was in his corner 
Because we need to know who's in here so we can face who is out there. We need to know who's for us so we can handle those who are against us. When COVID was out in the community and they introduced all the different restrictions and you couldn't go to people's houses and you couldn't get close to people, some of you hated it. But some of you loved it. Some of you have been wanting to socially distance for years. You were stoked when you didn't have to hug anyone anymore and you could finally keep your personal space. But whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, whether you're a hugger or an elbow tapper, God has called us to community. And I know that for myself, even as an extrovert who loves relationships, sometimes when things get hard, when I'm feeling overwhelmed and stressed, I just bunker down and I think I've just got to get through this. And I don't reach out and ask for help. But God has called us to be part of community. He's called us to connect with one another. And maybe you're sitting here and you're the one who needs to be asking for help or maybe you're the one who needs to reach out the hand for help. We need each other. Our society tells us just to be strong and go it alone, but God has created us to be in community, to climb the mountain together. So we need to know our purpose and we need to know who our people are. And lastly, we need power. Now, one of the most powerful things that I want you to walk out of this room carrying in you deep within your heart is the verse 6 that Paul says to the Philippian church. It's one of those verses that if we truly believe it, if we remember it, if we know it, if we have it deep in our backpack, deep in our heart, not only will we be strong for the journey, but it will transform our lives. Are you ready to read the verse? Paul says in verse 6, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying? He's saying that if we are to be strong for the journey, all we need to do is start the journey. That's why it was so powerful to watch the baptisms last week because Jesus says, when you start a relationship with me, I am going to finish. I'm going to finish the work that I start in you. I don't start anything that I don't complete. See, we might need to hold on to our purpose. We might need to know who are our people, but it's God who brings the power to carry us on. He's the one who comes and takes the backpack and is going to carry us to the day of Christ Jesus. He's the one who's going to take us there. It's not about our effort or merit or what we can do. It's all about what Christ has already done. And he's loaded up that backpack and he says, I am sure of this. Paul says, I'm confident. I'm convinced. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. I remember when I was a very new Christian and our youth leader stood up in our youth group and he said, when you start a relationship with Jesus, it's like a monkey grip. And even if you let go... Even if you doubt, even if you disobey, even if you wander off, even if your love for God just doesn't seem as passionate or electric as it used to, God never lets go. He's always holding on. Paul says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. He's holding on. How can we be firm, immovable, secure, unshakable, strong for the journey? 
by letting Jesus be strong for us, by letting him hold on to us, by starting a relationship with him because Jesus never starts anything that he doesn't finish. I had the privilege two weeks ago of going and finally visiting my 97-year-old grandma. We haven't been able to see her because of COVID and so I was finally able to introduce my five-month-old son to her. You can put a photo of them on the screen. My grandma's name is Hilda, so it was when Harry meets Hilda. But when I walked into my grandma's room, 97 years of age in her retirement home, there was only four things on her table. There was a cup of tea, a pen, her Bible, and a photo of her 22 great-grandchildren with their names and ages beside each of their faces. And my grandma told me that every day she prays for her seven grandchildren and her 22 grandchildren as she has since the day each of us were born. See, my grandma knows her purpose. She prays for her people and she has the power of Christ within her. She knows that while there's still blood in her veins and air in her lungs, she's going to serve the Lord till her dying days. And actually, there's so many times where I have had something with my children, I've thought that's been a Hilda prayer. That's been a great grandma prayer that saved them because God is using those prayers powerfully from my grandma, even at 97 years old, where she can't walk very far. She can't do many things for herself, but she can pray. God is using her because he is not done with her. He will finish the work that he started. In fact, Paul says in verse 19 of chapter 1, this will ter- what will turn out for my deliverance? He says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. What was going to help Paul in this struggle? God's people and God's power. That's how God makes us strong for the journey. And if we want to be strong for the journey, we need to follow the only one who has already finished the race. If you ever need a tour guide, if you need someone who's going to take you on a hike, you need to follow someone who knows where they're going, who's already been there. And Jesus came to earth. He walked the path that we are walking. He faced every temptation and trial, every struggle and pain. And then he went to the cross. Paul writes in Philippians 2 chapter 5, Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus' journey didn't involve just being beaten or betrayed or wrongly accused or spat on. His journey went all the way to the cross. And as we know, then he died and then he rose again. And he too is going to take us on that journey where we too will rise again. We're headed for that day where one day we will see him face to face again. Where he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we can trust and know and believe that Jesus is going to get there because he's already gone there. He's going to carry us. He's going to be strong for the journey. Like many of you, a few years ago, I bought a fiddle leaf fig trying to be cool. And amazingly, only by the grace of God, it had survived and it has not died. 
And during COVID, I used to always put it in the back of my Zoom screen so that people would think that I had a really green thumb. Apparently, fiddle figs thrive on neglect, so we were a great partnership. But when we were moving this year, I managed to snap the main stem of this poor plant that had survived so well through my neglect. And so it kind of bent over perpendicular and I thought, well, I won't fully break it off. It was kind of hanging by a thread. Um, But if you put up the photo now, amazingly, the branch kind of hung in there and it continued to grow and it continued to work towards the light. And for me, I sort of think of it as a bit of a metaphor of life. Sometimes we think that our path is going to be a straight direction to our destination. We know where we're going. We think we know where we're going to be in five years or ten years. But for some of us, we've had to take a detour. Perhaps you're not where you thought you would be. Perhaps a relationship has failed. Perhaps a business has failed. Perhaps you're just not in the place that you anticipated in your relationship with God or your life as a whole. Perhaps your branch has snapped and it's only hanging by a thread. I want to tell you this morning that God is not done with you, that He began a work in you that He is going to bring to completion. And He's going to heal that branch and He's going to keep growing it and He's going to keep taking it through the light up to the sun to keep growing and healing and bearing fruit for Him. And I want you to know that just like that plant, you're actually not on a detour, but you're right in the centre of God's plan and purpose for you because He can work all things, even a cold, hard jail cell for His purpose to go out. Just like my grandma, if you've got air in your lungs and blood in your veins, God has got work to do in you today. So let's remember our purpose. Let's block out the worlds and what they say is meant to be our purpose. Let's remember that we're here to serve Christ, to glorify Him, to be filled up with joy in Him. Let's gather God's people around. Let's help those. Let's ask for help. And let's remember that the power of Christ is behind us and before us and beside us. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And He's the one who's going to carry us to the end. We're going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus again. Because as we said before, when you start the journey with Christ, He will finish it. And we're not walking alone. We're not pioneering a new path. We're following Jesus. He's been there before and He's going to carry us through. So I encourage you all to sing this with the greatest conviction that you've sung before, whether it's your first time or your 1,000th time. Sing, I have decided to follow Jesus because He's the one who's going to carry you. He's not done with you today. He's not finished His work. He wants to use you until you're 97 and beyond. Commit to Him today. Remember His purpose. Gather with His people. Rest in His power. In Jesus' name.